Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 163. Hey, my riches, how are you? Yesterday, I read on the news that Wix, which is one of the startups I really love following from the day they started, reached a value of $10 billion. The purpose of every business and every entrepreneur is to maximize the value to its shareholders. As an entrepreneur, the shareholder is you. The company or entrepreneurship value consists of two elements, which is one, the financial results, the money you make, and two, the brand and company perception. I always like to remind entrepreneurs that Mark Zuckerberg issued Facebook for a value of $100 billion, while the company's net income at the same year was only $1 billion. Most of us won't issue our entrepreneurship in the stock exchange, but this value of the brand and company is relevant to how successful you will be and how fast it will happen. The value is about the number of followers you will have becoming an influencer of your niche, about how much people want to buy from you and what they are willing to pay. There are eight stages for going from your big idea to start your ongoing growing stream of paying customers, revenue, and building your brand awareness. These eight stages can and should be done in the first two or three months at the beginning of your entrepreneurship or through the two or three first years of your business. On June 17th, I'm going to launch something special that I believe will help any one of you to go through these eight stages first and to build your entrepreneurship to reach an ongoing growing stream of paying customers, revenue, and build your brand. So stay tuned. Go to the richomiss.com website and make sure to check it out on June 17th. My guest today, Casey Jones, is, like me, on a mission to help as many entrepreneurs as possible to succeed. And she is very successful in doing that. Let's hear her story. Casey Jones, founder of A Better Jones, is deeply passionate about helping people, teams, and organizations grow. She has defined her career leveraging creative and innovative methods to build long-lasting relationships with the people that matter most to your business, buyers, partners, and community. Casey's experience spans nearly every aspect of sales, marketing, business development, and community organizing at startups including Notion, Good Data, Postano, and even Obama for president. 
she discovered her affinity for the startup life by working on political campaigns where she realized she thrived in chaos had a knack for doing big things with few resources and loved the challenge of being perpetually in over her head a passionate advocate for unrepresented sales professionals casey also co-founded the other side of sales a podcast and resource committed to evolving the culture of b2b sales to be more inclusive and to empower underrepresented sales professionals also sales hacker has named her one of the 35 most influential women in sales and a sales influencer to watch for 2019 Casey Johnson what a pleasure to have you here hi hi it's so good to be here with you hayud i'm so happy you are here and i must tell our listeners that we already had such a lovely conversation before the interview so i'm sure they are going to really love everything you have to tell them i just shared with our listeners what you've done until now and i would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading absolutely so i am founder of two businesses i have a better jones which is a growth strategy and coaching and demand generation agency for early stage startups. So we basically help early stage startups mm-hmm. grow faster. And there's a variety of ways we do that. And then we actually just launched a new project called Our Galaxy. And Our Galaxy is a community and content resource and coaching platform, all designed to help founders and business leaders build authentic personal brands Hmm. that help them grow their businesses, help them grow their careers in a, what we keep saying is a non-icky way. I know a lot of founders out there who are humble and maybe tend to be a little more on the technical side. Personal branding seems a little mm, unappealing to them. And we help them realize that it's just about getting known for the work you do and being respected in your industry in a way that helps your business grow. Really? Do you meet a lot that feel uncomfortable with being out there? Because it seems to me that uh, it has always been among uh, CEOs and so on that everybody is looking to become famous and succeed and to be on the news. You know, I do really meet a lot that are that way. And it depends on where I see it the most is technical founder. So I wanted to say as technological it is, yeah. as uh, humble they are, yeah, exactly. I guess so. So the sort of more product-led founders, and, and they, they tend to have this belief that the product should speak for itself and that they don't need to have a public role. Um, what I hear often is they say, well, I don't feel comfortable bragging on social media. And I You know, what I talk to them about a lot is that it's not bragging, it's about sharing. So right. I'm a firm believer that everyone has a story to tell, they've got lessons to teach, they have insights to share. And when you get out there and you are kind of transparent about your journey and about the things that you're learning and the things you're doing, it makes your industry and your buyers 
trust you more. And Mm -hmm. they're a lot more likely to buy from people and from organizations that they trust. That's right. And uh, I think another thing is that the humbler they are or the more honest that they are, people will believe them more. So I think there is... Absolutely. It's really great to bring also these people and not only those who are looking for their fame so often. Exactly. I love that. And uh, I love the fact that you're working with entrepreneurs and uh, especially because this is my mission and I, I believe yours as well to help them succeed more. Yeah. Where are you heading? What do you see? I mean, I understand that this is a new thing, the community. Yeah. Yeah, we're working really hard to build the community out. But I think, so I'm a, just a big believer in community in general. Mm-hmm. And I know you have kind of the same sense that, look, founders and we all learn from one another and we all grow a little bit faster by being kind of interconnected. And so the other thing that I'm really working on right now is particularly in light of what's going on worldwide in this pandemic and how it's impacting business and the economy. I'm working on a kind of startup founder coaching program so that, you know, the founders that are out there that feel like their business is poised for growth, Mm. but are recognizing that they don't have the right plan, they don't have the right resources, and they really need some help to kind of get deep and intensive about this and start to sort of accelerate this growth. I'm creating an opportunity for groups of them to come together where we can go through you know, the the process that I normally go through with customers, but do it in a group setting oh. so that we also, we also know, right? Like the founder journey is really, really lonely. It is. And so it's, it really is. And I think that's even more so now that we're all at home. <laughs> and so I want to help create these, you know, smaller groups of, you know, close knit founders who can all be supporting one another and going through this process of of leveling up the the growth strategy of their business together. Sounds terrific, but do you feel do you feel a real uh, difference between entrepreneurs today in this COVID or coronavirus crisis and before? Um, I'm seeing a couple of differences. Um, I think so. Here in the States, we're seeing lots of examples, and especially where I live in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. we're seeing lots of examples of businesses that have rapidly pivoted. So Lately? You know, maybe they're, yeah, oh. and where they've made very quick adjustments to um, better serve their customers and adjust their business model to better kind of fit what is going on right now. And then I'm seeing other founders that have not adjusted. Sure. And they're sitting there waiting for things to go back to normal and that's not going to happen. <laughs> I just, you know, yes, things will ease and w- things will start to look a little bit more normal, but I really genuinely believe that we're kind of just we're not going to go back to the way things are and so there's an increased need to listen to your customers hmm. and understand what they're going through. I mean, I shouldn't even say increased need. That is always the biggest need. But because things are changing so quickly and because what our industries and what our customers are going through is changing so rapidly, 
you've got to be in constant conversation with your customers and learning how to adopt what they're telling you um, so that you can kind of pivot how you deliver, how, how you deliver value, mm-hmm. how you connect with them. And especially on a marketing strategy, you know, in the startup world, and what we used to do a lot of with our with our clients was help them host events and attend events. And mm-hmm. that's not going to happen <laughs> for a good long time. I know. So I was just asked in a research, just uh, before we started to talk, asking marketeers, and when do we think uh, conferences will get back to normal? Which uh, yeah. is a good question. Oh, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. And, and I think, um, I think, the idea that we're going to get back to that anytime soon, because let's be honest, I don't, I mean, I don't, at least what I think a lot of the scientists and a lot of the medical community is saying is that this is just the first wave of this. Yeah. So I heard that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You're right. Casey, tell me a bit about how you started. It's, uh, you are you are very young. At least you look very young. Well, I look younger than I am. Thank, I, you can thank my mother <laughs> for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you're still young. How did you start? How uh, did you arrive to such a... How did you start and how did you get to where you are already? Yeah, so... Tell me a bit about that. I actually started my career in sales. I had, when I graduated college, I had truly no no clue what I wanted to do with my life or really what I could do. And so when I started looking at jobs, I kind of, you know, I went to a liberal arts college. I graduated with no real skills except being a good communicator. <laughs> and so sales was a really natural fit. And I spent the first good portion of my career in sales. And when I made the transition to tech. What did you sell? What did you mainly say? Goodness, I've sold all kinds of things. I've sold like Google ads and like, you know, kind of Google ad services back when like Google ads was a brand new thing. Um, I Mm. sold super high end client hosting packages at sports events. So if you wanted to take mm-hmm. 10 clients to the US Open and you wanted to pay like $70,000, I was your girl. Um, <laughs> I sold, um, I worked for an IT and telecom consulting firm and I sold for them for a couple years. I love so much that you're talking about that because I really think, and it makes a lot of sense to me when you're talking about selling, I just talked about it with Lance Tyson, who is in sales for many years. But I said, I always said that those that really know how to sell and love that, they will never need to look for a job. It, it gives you such a power, such a strength, knowing that you can really sell almost everything. Oh, and it teaches you so much about how business works. I'm a huge right. believer that Look, if you graduate, if you're a young person and you graduate from college or you get out of high school and you don't know what you want to do, but you know you want to be in business, I think the best job you can take is a sales development representative, so a a prospector. I agree. You're going to learn how to write an amazing email. You're going to learn about how business works. You're going to learn, you're going to learn so much in such a short period of time. And I, I really wish we talked about this more in business. Hmm. I think taking a sales role, an entry-level sales role, 
if you know you want to be in business and you don't know what you want to do and you know you're not a technical person, it is the perfect jumping off point. Definitely. You can wind up going into HR, you can go into customer success, you can go into marketing, which is what I wound up doing. Um, Everything is about sales, isn't it? Business is about sales. Absolutely. Once you actually have this ability, you are ready for business. There are a lot of things that you can study and perhaps get more experience. But once you know to sell, you know to do business. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. My biggest recommendation for early stage founders, when, when your company is still small enough where you're a founder who's got to sell, <laughs> and mm -hmm. frankly, I think absolutely every founder should have to sell their own product, um, at least for a little while, that experience is going to absolutely pay dividends to how you run your business later on. Right. Like you need to be able to communicate and you need to be able to understand your buyer mm -hmm. and understand Definitely. how to explain things and really connect with them. Definitely. And after sales, how did you get to where you are today? How you became an entrepreneur? Yeah. So I made the transition to marketing when I was in sales. I started uh, partnering with marketing a lot more in terms of running campaigns and I realized I just loved it. And so I made that transition and I kind of, I had pretty much every role you could have in marketing <laughs> um, for a few really? years. Oh yeah. And then I, I was head of marketing for a really early stage startup. And, um, and actually I had been asked to go to, to Beirut, Lebanon, to run a series of workshops for a oh. startup accelerator there. Wow. And it was, it was the first ever partnership between the UN and a startup accelerator. And so I went there for 10 days and I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching and I ran a bunch of workshops. I left there and I was on cloud nine. I just was, <laughs> I, I was so energized by the experience of working with all of these different startups. And I was so excited and I'm not exaggerating. The second day that I got back, I found out the startup that I was working for had run out of money. <laughs> so oh. so oh. I was like, you know, I was so excited. And so, um, I thought, you know, I, I, I didn't think that I was totally ready to go out on my own, but I was like, okay, maybe I'm being forced into this. And And I took mm. a call with a woman that we had done some co-marketing projects with, and she um, had a startup. And I was explaining why the project we were working on was not going to continue. And she said, oh, Casey, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, you know, I'm not sure. I might go get another job, but I might actually go out on my own. And she's like, oh, you, you're going to go out on your own. She's like, I'll hire you. I, I could use your expertise. Hmm. And that was my first client. And so I was sort of off oh. to the races. It's <laughs> great. And then since then, I've just, I've worked with a bunch of different startups. Um, I've been mentoring residents at one of the, at the largest and oldest um, accelerator here in Portland, Oregon. Wow. And I've just, I love the excitement of working with startup founders. And I love the fact that You can help them make small adjustments that have huge impact on their mm. business. And it's so satisfying. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And we know that so many startups are and entrepreneurs are failing. Oh, yeah. And I understand exactly what you're talking about. And I think it's so great. And as many people like you and me and others that can help, that can be this bridge 
between the traditional marketing and sales and startups, it will allow much more entrepreneurs to succeed. And I think a lot of the world's economy success depends on entrepreneurs. So oh, yeah. I think it's great. As an entrepreneur and as one that works with entrepreneurs, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that listening to us regarding their customer's approach or customer's focus or anything that has to do with marketing and sales? Yeah. So, and I know you'll agree with me on this because we talked about it a little bit. It's genuinely be obsessed with your customer. Um, what, the thing that I see all too often is that entrepreneurs and, and their kind of early stage teams, they look at buyer research as kind of a one and done thing. They do a little bit of early research, they create their buyer personas, and then they never revisit them. And I think founders need to be, entrepreneurs need to be constantly talking to their customers, asking them lots of questions, doing research on what they care about, what are the changes going on in the industry. It's, I think one of the challenges is that oftentimes entrepreneurs are solving a problem that they once had. Mm-hmm. And so they think that they are their ideal buyer and that they know everything that there is to know about their ideal buyer. That's right. And the problem with that is that, well, there's a couple. One, you're just one of your ideal buyer, okay? And there's a whole lot more of you out there and you need to figure out all the differences. But two, you know, let's say it takes you a year and a half, two years to really, you know, to get this company going, to get the product going, to get it built, you are no longer your target buyer. <laughs> Two years this... is like a lifetime in hmm. business. There is so much that has changed. There are so many things that um, are now going to be different about your, your ideal customer and like what they're facing and what they're dealing with. And you need to make sure that you are constantly constantly, 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 you need to be downright obsessed with learning about your ideal buyer and really falling kind of in love with them and, and the problem mm. that you're solving. And I, you know, there's a woman, a friend of mine said something to me that has always just, I don't know, stuck in my brain. She said, fall in love with your problem, not your product. Mm. So what she means is fall in love with the product, the problem that your product solves not your product and and how it does what it does because that problem that problem could continue to evolve evolve which means how you solve it needs to continue to evolve and also who is facing that problem is going to continue to evolve that's the only one who is going to pay you and going to use the product so you <laughs> probably want to to deal with that yeah You've got some impressive successes, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but I want you to, uh, to share with us what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers, the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most. Can you share that with us? Absolutely. I would say, and, I, and this is something that I really, that has dawned on me recently. So my biggest failure was... I stopped paying attention to what my real strengths were, and I started chasing where I thought the money was. Oh, yes, 
And just like you need to listen to your customers, you also need to understand what you can and cannot do or what you're good at doing and what you aren't. And for a while, you know, we wound up taking on a couple of bigger clients where my team wound up becoming their entire outsourced marketing team. And we were pretty good at that, but I hated doing it. Hmm. And as a result, over time, I got less and less good because I was not as um, I was not as plugged in. I was not as committed. I was not as on top of things. And what I really realized is like my strengths are coaching um, entrepreneurs and their teams to learn how to do these things themselves. Wow. Um, and diving in and doing you know deep strategic work for shorter periods of time, but if we were taking on, you know, when you're the outsourced marketing team for another company for about a year and a half, it's, there's a couple of things going on there. And and one is that that means that they don't care enough about marketing to invest in hiring their own team. (laughs) And no one winds up being terribly set up for success. And I also just really didn't enjoy it. By the end, I was not as excited, not as passionate. and it didn't play to my strengths and it did not set them up for really learning how to do this themselves, learning how to make marketing a core part of the work that they were doing and part of the strength of their business. And so the results just were not as strong as they could have been. And by the end, I felt like I'd done them a disservice by letting them kind of continue to push off making a real investment and really committing to this part of their growth strategy. Um, and so I sort of had that aha moment at the the beginning of this year and really made the pivot to doing more of these sort of deep strategic engagements and really coaching teams on how they can learn how to do this themselves I want to make it so that after six months, they don't need me. They're on to the next thing. Wow. I love it so much. First of all, I love it because I really believe that uh, we should do also what we are passionate about. But when we really want to change things for the better, not only to have a very successful business. And I love you saying that. And it's also something I thought about because not Many people will say that they are focusing on entrepreneurs because it's tougher. Oh yeah. Usually they don't have <laughs> they don't have the money yeah. that the big ones, the big companies and corporates yeah. has and it's a tough work, but it's something that you must do with all your soul. Yes. And you should really be good at that. And I love it so much and I also love what you said in your last sentence about that they won't need you after half a year or a few months because yeah. what we've done with the company that I established for entrepreneurs is we did the, the strategy with them, we helped them to put it into work, but then we we left them. I mean, we tried to help them to do it by themselves, push them, yeah. you know, like with the car when we helped them to, to start again. And... <laughs> and my uh, accountant and my lawyers and they said 
wow what are you doing once you are having a client why do you let them go why do you push them to go by themselves you could make much more money if you would continue with them and that's correct yeah but it's not what i think should be done and i think that when we really take care of what we should do exactly we will succeed more at the end of the day i i couldn't agree more yeah And we'll be more satisfied doing it. It's more rewarding. It is. And everybody winds up really learning and growing from it. And I, you know, it's, I fell into the trap of, of kind of focusing on the money and it wasn't the right move. It just wasn't the right move. Not for me and not for them. Yeah. And you felt that. That's what I love. You felt it's quite early. Now I would like you to share with us the story of your greatest, most significant success. As a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, and it's funny, it's, it, this question is hard for me because I feel like we've had a lot of little successes. I think the biggest thing that I really focus on is building really long-lasting positive relationships. We don't have a single customer that... we don't still have very close relationships to. Wow. People who reach out when they need things, but also reach out when they think they've got an idea for us or for me. And what I feel most proud of is, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the entrepreneurial journey is a very lonely one. Hmm. And I work very, very hard to one, not only create strong relationships with the companies and, and the individuals that I work with, but also connect them to others. And I feel incredibly proud of the very strong, close-knit network that I have built over the last few years that is of clients, it's of colleagues, it's of mentors and advisors and experts. It's, you know, I feel really proud of the fact that when I have a client or anybody reach out to me and they say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Do you know anybody that can help me? Hmm. Nine times out of 10, yeah, I know someone who can help them. Hmm. And having that kind of family hmm. in this community is so incredibly rewarding It is. and means so much to me and to my circle. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. I also think this is the way to succeed, but more than that, you're talking about the most important thing that Mark Schaefer just wrote about, that the most human company wins. And David Meerman Scott, who I interviewed here, wrote with his daughter, Reiko, about phenocracy, turning customers into fans and fans into customers. Yeah. And you're talking exactly about that. And We found out, I think all of us are finding out that uh, not only the, the damages, because there are good things about it, but what happened to relationships because of all this marketing automation yes. that came into the game, not only helped to reach much more, which is great, but really ruined the relationships between people and it should come back and you're doing that and it's incredible. Well, and I, I genuinely think that that's the biggest change that we're going to see in the response to this pandemic. I agree. Um, mass blasts of, of emails, they don't work. It's how do you build relationships at scale? 
I agree, you know, one of the ladies that I worked with from Boston said, you know, she said at the beginning of the coronavirus crisis, but she said, you know, this thing of being so nice to each other, it's really <laughs> great. Yeah. People are kind. And uh, uh, yeah, people are kind. And I think, I hope we will continue to be. I love your uh, story of success so much. Lizzie, can you recommend the best, most effective technological or digital tool that related to customer-focused marketing or sales? However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really works very well for you and can help other entrepreneurs as well. Oh, absolutely. So, well, there's, I'm going to give you two tools. Really, the one I'm, I'm going to recommend is Airtable. Okay. So Airtable is like spreadsheets, but in a much more impactful way. We run our entire business on Airtable. Really? But here's the thing about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, this is how we plan content. This is how we like track all the things that we're doing. It's beautiful. You can color code it. It's, I just, I am kind of obsessed with it. I mean, I'm, I have personal uses. I read a ridiculous amount of books and I literally <laughs> track every single book that I read in an air wow. table um, with the, my reviews of them and all sorts of things. <laughs> I'm obsessive. But the thing that I really love about it, and I'll say the other tool we, we sometimes use for this is Typeform. Okay. But Airtable, you can do forms. So you can do surveys. And we are absolutely obsessed with running mm -hmm. surveys. I think that, you know, there's a million different ways that you can run surveys in your industry, of your buyers, of your prospects, where you can gather incredibly valuable information right. about who you're selling to and what they care about. And I think this is just an aspect of marketing and sure. of, of research that we don't use enough. So, you know, one of my number one recommendations, if you're a company who's kind of early and you're trying to figure out, you want to learn about your buyers, but you also want to produce a really cool piece of content, run a survey about something that is impacting your industry. With the right strategy, you can often find like strategic partners that will help you um, promote the right. survey. You can get people in your industry to tell you exactly what they care about. And then here's the trick. The last question on the survey is you say, hey, if you want me to send you mm -hmm. the results of this survey, give email here. And great. You've now learned a ridiculous amount about your ideal buyer and you've got their email address. Mm -hmm. You can take the results of that survey and you can put it into like a beautiful piece of content that you can then gate on your website and now you've got it to be generating even more leads. You can send it to all the people that took the survey and you've learned about your buyer, you generated super quality leads, you have produced a beautiful, like amazing piece of content that levels you up as a thought leader. Um, it strengthened your relationship with strategic partners. I mean, there's just all of these different, you can write blog posts about it. There's so many things that you can get out of this and it's not that hard to put together. It sounds so fantastic. Casey, do you have anything that you can share as an example, something that you wrote about? Oh, yeah. I think it will be very interesting for our listeners or the ones that will get into the show notes, both 
to learn from that, but also to read what you have to say. Yeah, I can absolutely show you an example. And I'll also say I can continue with those examples because we're running two surveys right now. One, and actually I'm going to send you this too. Um, we're interviewing hmm. podcast hosts on what is their advice to a brand new podcaster? All of the things you wish you'd known <laughs> when you started down this beginning. journey. Right. And we're putting together a whole content piece around like advice from the experts. And then for my podcast, I have a podcast that's all about underrepresented sales professionals. It's about being a non white guy in sales, oh, basically. Okay. We're doing a whole survey on the prevalence of harassment and discrimination um, in sales. Okay. I'll send you a couple of different examples, but, wow. and if anybody ever wants like advice on how to do this, I'm more than happy to kind of give my, my two cents, but it's, um, it's one of the things we've done a bunch of, and we totally recommend. Sounds great. And I yeah. think it will be great to add that to the show notes. You know, there are many factors that uh, affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one major thing that really helps them to succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? My one key success factor is I am pretty darn disciplined and I am super committed to things. Hmm. So I always feel like there is a way to solve the problem. And I actually, hmm. one of the things that I say quite often is I think that one of my biggest advantages when it comes to marketing is that I have zero professional training or education in marketing. And oh. <laughs> because that means that whenever I'm faced with a problem or a challenge, a marketing challenge, I never think, oh, well, this is how it's this is how everybody does it. So we have to do it this way. I look at the problem and I think, okay, what's the smartest way that we can get this done? And so as a result, hmm. I have managed to think through strategies and come up with ideas that other marketers just don't. Um, because I don't know any better. Sometimes not knowing how to do something is one of the best assets because you're going to be really creative in figuring out how to solve that problem. I love it so much. I always say that as marketeers, we know nothing. We know how to check. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We know how to check things. We know yeah. how to listen to our customers. Yeah. But we know nothing until we are yeah. going and finding out. Exactly. And I agree so much about creativity because nothing that was right before necessarily will be the right thing for the next customer or for the next problem. So I love it so much. My last question before I'll ask you what is the best way to connect with you is my mountain question. And as my listeners already know, I always imagine this journey of marketing and building a brand and building a perception in the mind of the customers as climbing a mountain. And at some point, I started to ask my podcast guests whether they ever climbed the mountain or wished to climb a mountain. And that's what I'm asking you. Oh, do you have any relationships with the mountains at all? I absolutely do. <laughs> um, so I live in Portland, Oregon, and we are surrounded by mountains. And 
I love this question because I think about it a lot, actually, and particularly as it relates to being an entrepreneur. So when I was growing up in my early 20s, I am fortunate because, you know, I did well in school and uh, a bunch of things came naturally to me. Hmm. And I just didn't do things that I wasn't naturally good at which basically meant that I was not disciplined and I was not very gritty. Um, I was sort of lazy when I was in my teens and 20s. When I was in my sort of mid-20s, I dated this guy who was super into hiking and mountain climbing. Okay. And so he got me really into it. And I don't care how easy a hike it is. There has never been a hike that I have ever done where there isn't at least one step where I think, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? Like, what is this? You know, but I just kept going. And you sometimes it is miserable, and it is so hard, and you're exhausted, and your thighs are burning. And, but you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Wow. And you keep doing it. And all of a sudden, you get to this top, and you see a thing that you know, not that many people have ever seen. Hmm. And almost no one else is going to see on that day or that week. And it is one of the most beautiful and rewarding experiences. And that is, to me, is the entrepreneurial journey. Hmm. There are going to be so many moments where you think, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Definitely. Why did I do this? Why don't I just quit and go get a real job like a sane person? What am I doing? But if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, it's the staying committed to it that is the biggest difference between the people that make it and those that don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow. I love your mountain story so much. <laughs> I really do. And uh, I was so excited when you asked. Yeah, it's, it's a great answer. Casey, what is the best way to be in touch with you or connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? Yeah, so um, find me on absolutely any social media platform. Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, my social media handle is always a better Jones. But you can also come go to my website, a betterjones.com and connect with me there. Always happy to talk all things entrepreneurs and see if there's any way that I can help. Um, so truly don't don't hesitate to reach out ever. That's fantastic. We will have all these links in the show notes of this interview. And Casey. Wow, I enjoyed this interview and you so much. Really, it has been a pleasure, pure pleasure for me to talk with you. Thank you. The feeling is so, so completely mutual. This was such a, a, a pleasure and an honor. Mm. I'm excited to keep the conversation going with you. I'm excited to keep the conversation as well. And I thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you and take care. Yeah, you too. Mm, Bye-bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss show. 
the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.